the team just was like, take your flight here. You're going to, and like, well, we need you to be here on this date. So I like book my own flight. I get there, I get off the plane, I get a baggage claim. And I'm just like, damn, like where, I don't even know where the fuck to go to get a phone or like to get my phone working. And then some dude just walks up to me with a leather jacket on and just goes, JT, you come with me. And I just like got, I was just like, all right, like, here we go. Everybody, welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get That Job, the show where two not-so-interesting guys ask interesting people one question and then interrupt them as they try to answer it. Joining us today is JT Barnett. JT left Notre Dame Preparatory School in 2008 to pursue a career in professional hockey. He rose through the Western Hockey League into the farm systems of NHL teams like the Arizona Coyotes, the Boston Bruins, and the Los Angeles Kings. In 2016, JT played for arguably the best professional team in Europe with the CSKA Red Army for one season before hanging up the skates. In 2019, he founded Reset, a company that creates exclusive single-day recovery events. Then a year later, he founded the front-facing hockey media platform, Triple Deke. Today, he runs both of those companies in addition to founding the first adult TikTok house, The Honey House. JT, welcome to the show, and how the fuck did you get that job? Thank you guys for having me. I'm super pumped to do this, and I'm excited to uh, tell you how everything originated. Take us through, you're, you're leaving Notre Dame and you're, I, I'm, I'm sure that decision wasn't easy of deciding, you know, to pursue this career in hockey because not a lot of, not a lot's promise going down that road. What was going through your head at that time? Yeah. So, I mean, that was, I was a sophomore in high school and uh, I even let's rewind two years before that, uh, I was about 14 and I got drafted to a team in Canada. I was actually at a hockey tournament uh, in Colorado where you are. And uh, I was, I remember my dad, the day, during the day, everybody knew that there was this league called the WHL and they were having their draft that day. I didn't really know much about it. And uh, I remember my dad telling me like halfway through the day, like, Hey, you just got drafted in the 10th round to Vancouver. And I was like, cool. Like, I'm, that's great. And, uh, and so fast forward a year later, I was kind of like, you know, I'm owned by that team now in the WHL. And like, as I developed uh, from 14 to 15 to 16, more guys around me were also getting picked up by WHL teams. And then when I, after my freshman year of high school at Notre Dame, uh, I had to make the decision of like, you know, this team wants you to come play at 16. Do you want to go do that? Or do you stay at home, live with your family longer and, uh, you know, live out your, the rest of your high school and then try to sign with the college and go play D1. And uh, just for me, because of the age that I was, I would have been able to play three years of this major junior, which is technically like, it's considered pro, but it's, it's like younger kids, you know, it's 16 to 20 year olds. So it's, it's kind of semi pro ish. Uh, but just the development that I could have in the next three years before even being able to go play college hockey was what really made the, made my family make the decision for me to go. So I left as a 15 year old uh, to go play in Vancouver, went, flew up there. The process is ridiculous. You go knock on a random door to a random person's house and you're like, I'm here to live for the year. And they show you up to your room and like, that's who your family is for the year. And so I did that for five years, and uh, that was right before I turned pro. 
I'm just curious, like, what was the age range on that team? So it's 15 to 20. So you can come in as a, you can, you can play a handful of games as a 15 year old, and then you can play like a full season at 16. And then you can't be older than you can't be 21 starting the season. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, I played all of those years. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure if you already noticed it said it was a junior league, but for some reason my head went straight to you as a 16 year old with a 40 year old. No. Indian dude, just <laughs> becoming best friends. And what do, so for our listeners, like, what do people really not understand about that life of junior of junior hockey? Because I feel like there's it's per, it's definitely portrayed now more in uh, popular culture. You know, there's movies, TV shows about it. But like, it, what do people not get about it? And is, is there anything you miss about those, those times? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I miss. I definitely miss uh, different components of it, like the guys, like the group of guys that you play with, and like just the team atmosphere. I'm always. I've always been a team guy. I have a big family. I've got six brothers and sisters besides myself and played on teams ever since I can remember. And so that like atmosphere of teams is something I really, really enjoy and something that I miss right now uh, as I'm doing more semi-individual stuff. But like the, you know, the life of a junior and even lower level professional athlete below like the, you know, the four major sports that people know about is so not glamorous it's so like it's just very raw and like real and like the just I mean just at the tip of the iceberg is the fact that you're going and you're living with a random family that you have no idea it's luck of the draw you have one guy on the team who's living with the dude that owns a major company in the city and so he gets to live in the nice gated neighborhood with like a six-bedroom house and then you have other dude that's living like somewhat of like a trailer park life and is like with a random family that just happened to be really interested in where, the team and like where, where'd you fall on that scale both ends <laughs> i lived with some i lived with some families that were like great and were like you know pretty well off and like very nice and you know very like just upper class and then i also lived with some families that were like lower class and like the house it, you know you just have your room to to kind of hang out and build your your kind of like quarters in and uh the, it depends on like the family, like obviously like it doesn't depend on the house for your experience. Like I had some of the lower income families that I lived with were fantastic people and it was a great experience. And some of the upper ones that I lived with were not the best people and it was, you know, not as fun of an environment, but just like the, the experience of going to the rink every day and knowing that like that guy over there lives with Jim and Jesse that are like in this neighborhood and just like being like, bro, what's going on at your house? Like, is it, how are you enjoying that? How are you enjoying it? Is everything good? Like, da, 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 da. so that experience. And then also like the travel in those leagues is all done by bus and it's not a like sleeper bus. It's not a tour bus. It's like a modified Greyhound. And so you're, you're doing what you can to like, Guys are sleeping on the bus floor. Guys are like trying to sprawl out on the chairs and on the benches and stuff. And it's just like, it's crazy living. It's a, it's a wild and hectic thing. And all, all the while you're trying to perform your best and be the best player that you can be. And so like that kind of mix of uh, variables makes for a very interesting experience. Sure. And I I got I got a shout out my buddy uh, Jake Bears who went from a nice mountain town in Colorado to go play in juniors up in Flint Michigan, 
and nice. it was a, <laughs> it was a bit, bit of a shock to this. He came back with some stories, but definitely I, a bit of a I shock. Totally to imagine. <laughs> um, but I want to get into JT. So you got uh, towards the end of that experience in, in juniors, then like, again, you're, you're faced with a set of choices. Once you, once you get to the end of that experience, what made going into the farm system and trying to like navigate the league that way, the best choice for you? I think like purely passion. Like I wanted to play in the NHL and I was like, I know that I'm talented. I know I'm skilled. I wasn't drafted, but I've been to a handful of training camps. You can start going to training camps at the age of uh, 17. So as soon as you can start getting drafted. Um, so all the while, while I was playing the, those five years in Canada, I was still going to uh, NHL training camps and then like coming back once my season started in juniors. So I'd seen like the level of players and like the talent level of people in the NHL and I knew that I was close and, uh, and that I could, and I, and, you know, I obviously believed that I could get there. Um, and so when I finished my 20 year old year in the WHL, it was like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I really enjoyed my last year. I feel like I have some good momentum going into this, uh, going out of the, the WHL and uh, I really want to give it my all. So wherever the, the cards fall, for this next season for me to start at, I'm going to fucking go with it. And uh, I started my, I started my career in Ontario, California, actually like, you know, about an hour away from where I am right now. And, uh, and then it just, and then it just like went from there in the, and just kind of snowballed into different places in Europe and all of that. And what was the, like the main difference, like playing over overseas versus like in the, in the U S uh, or NHL system? play overseas versus us yeah if you look at like the the nhl has kind of a salary cap on the they have nhl has a hard salary cap where like the the uh competitiveness between the teams in the nhl is crazy like it's very the one team can win the stanley cup and then a completely random team can win the next year a team that finishes at the bottom can all of a sudden make playoffs next year so the, the difference between the top team in the league and the bottom team in the league isn't, uh, isn't very vast, you know? In Europe, there's no salary cap. So the, the teams that have the most money can get anyone they want. And it all within the same league. So like you'll have a team at the top of the league, uh, like Seska, the team that I was on, or a team that has even, you know, even more, I wouldn't say money, but like more of a, reputation than than the red army uh like ska st petersburg and uh the divide between them and somebody at the other end of the spectrum is like is like a whole different league and so it's just the consistency of of players and of and of uh organizations and and when i say organizations i mean like if you go to uh that red army team and you look at their facilities you're like, this is pretty close to the NHL. Like, this is a good facility. This is really nice living. And then I played on the other end of the spectrum with a team called Amour uh, for the last three months of the season. And, like, they're just the living and the situation that you're in with that team is just a whole different story. And the travel and just, like, everything that goes into it because they're working with a smaller budget. So it's just very luck of the draw with Europe. You hear people go over there that are, like, at an amazing experience. And then you hear people go over there and you're like, dude, I didn't get – paid it. I didn't, I was living, my lights were getting shut off, you know, so just there's, it's really a luck of the draw over there. 
That's crazy. And any wild stories? I know like you hear stories about American professional athletes coming over, going over there and you know, their first handshake, they get $4,000 plopped into their hands. Anything, anything crazy? Yeah. I heard, uh, I mean, I definitely heard stories like that. Um, especially going into this league that I was the, the KHL is very, there's a lot of rumors about stuff like that happening. Um, I didn't have any like crazy mafia type stories that happened for me that I have a hand. I mean, I mean, I have a ton of, uh, just crazy ones, but, but nothing too wild like that. I remember when I got off the plane, uh, in, in Russia, my phone didn't work. I had no, like I have no service. I'm in an airport that I can't read. There's no, there's no like English, uh, translations on these, the signs in the airport. So I have no idea where I'm going. And I just like got to, I got to a uh, baggage claim somehow. And I'm just like standing there and I'm like, I, I didn't plan like what I do after I get off the plane. Like the team just, the team just was like, take your flight here. You're going to, and like, well, we need you to be here on this date. So I like book my own flight. I get there, I get off the plane, I get a baggage claim. And I'm just like, damn, like where, I don't even know where the fuck to go to get a phone or like to get my phone working. And then some dude just walks up to me with a leather jacket on and just goes, JT, you come with me. And I just like got, I was just like, all right, like, here we go. I got in his, got with, walked with him. He took me to a car. He was like, uh, you go with him. And I like open, put my bag in the trunk of this dude's car. He handed me the, the first dude handed me a phone. He was, uh, I put my the phone up to my ear and it was the, the GM of the team saying, Hey, this is the driver. This is the guy on the team. Like you're going to go with this driver. He's going to bring you to me. I was just like, Jesus, no idea what's going on. Even crazier than that, the second team that I was on in, uh, that was on the border of China, we were, we're 10 time zones away from the teams on the, uh, on the West, 10 time zones. And, uh, we played a game where we had to play against Bratislava. And so we had to fly from our, our hometown in Amur on the border of China. We had to fly 10 time zones to Bratislava and get off of the plane. We had like a two and a half hour nap and then we had to play a game. And like guys in the locker room are just like, guys don't even know if they're awake. Guys don't know if they're asleep still. Like guys can't feel parts of their bodies. And we're just like having to go out there and play this game. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, I cannot believe that this is actually a real thing that these teams do. And like that, this is allowed in this league. What was, and, that? Uh, what was the outcome of that game? We lost. <laughs> as, I, as I'm sure, as I'm sure tons of teams that make that travel do. That's, that's so funny to think about. There was an organization, like people made decisions to make that whole trip happen. <laughs> and that well, was what we they had, decided we on. We had uh, doctors, we had doctors that like our team doctors that before the flight would be like, kind of like telling guys when they should sleep on the plane, when they should try to like plan to like, if they're taking something like Ambien or melatonin or whatever to reset their biological clock so that they're like shifting into Bratislava's time zone while they're on the plane. And like, <laughs> This is like, it's not like a sleeper jet. This is like a normal, this is like a plane, like a normal, it's empty. It's just our team, but like, you're not getting like a, you're not getting to lay flat. You're like laying, if anything, you're like backs against the window and your legs are up on the bench. And so nobody's getting like good rest and you just like get off the plane and you're just like, dude, I cannot believe that this is part of 
this league. And yeah, so stories like that are just like super common. I guess not to anyone's surprise, only spent a year over there in the KHL. What, what, where was your head at coming back? And was it, what, what was next? Like what was on your mind at that point? Yeah, I think I just went through like three years of pro hockey where I, the, the, uh, the lifestyle and also the pay wasn't outweighing the cons of living in a new city every year, being away from family, not really being able to know what my future entails in the sport. Like I wasn't in the lower levels. You're not signing like three, four year deals. You're usually signing like a year. And so even in, in those, a lot of those lower levels, the contracts aren't even guaranteed. So like, you know, if a team doesn't like you for one week, they can cut you. And so just like the kind of uncertainty of that for me, was just like, you know, I, I, I'm not enjoying this to the extent that I should be if this is what I'm having to deal with. And so I, I also knew at the same time, like, there's so many other things that I want to get into. I, I've always, always been very into media and creating content. I've always been into uh, connecting with other people in community and creating, uh, building relationships. And so, you know, I just think that there's other things that I'm into outside of this sport. And I would like to not prolong my uh, journey into doing those things uh, just for something like this, if I'm not truly enjoying it. And so that was where my, I played my last year was in France. And that, that last year was kind of like a bridging of me being like, I know I'm probably going to be done after this year, but like, let's go ride this, ride this out, enjoy another uh, season in a, in a, foreign country or just another country and get that experience. And at the same time, like, let's look at the other shit that I want to do and like, see what kind of stuff I want to get into. And so I launched my own podcast when I was over there. I started like dabbling more into influencer marketing and like my girlfriend was doing it. So I was helping her with her own uh, content and building that out. And then uh, when I stopped playing, it was like, all right, I'm going to go hard at that stuff. I was, but that, that leads well into my next question. You know, we work a little, with a lot of guys and, it's, it's hard to build your brand while also being like 100% or 110% into your craft and professional like athlete career. Like what, what, what steps did you take like the podcast to like kind of branch up into that personal branding, like baby steps to set that foundation? Podcast was definitely one. Uh, that one was, that one helped me start pushing more out on my platform I was, I was always the dude on my team that, that was very active on like Instagram and stuff. Like not a lot of guys on, in hockey post on social media at all. And I was always the dude that was like active on Instagram, on Snapchat, on Twitter. Um, and so I was still, I was doing that a little bit while I was playing, especially in my last year, I was posting more and more. And then my podcast made me post even more. And then when I got done playing a mix of like my girlfriend doing it and having success with it, and me being done with hockey now to where I'm able to just do what I want, uh, led me to start filming my own workouts. And so I was like, I'm, I love working out. I, like I really enjoyed the training aspect of, of sports. And uh, I also love filming. And like, I was filming workouts when uh, the year before I went to Russia with our group and nobody in the group wanted to do it. And so I stopped it, but I was like, I love this. Like I would love to keep filming these uh, types of like hype uh, edit, kind of like montage of workouts. And, uh, and so I was like, I'm just going to do that. Like, I'm going to start doing that here. And like, 
I'll start personal training some people and train training some kids uh, for hockey specifically and uh, just see where that takes me. And so that made me like start building my personal brand and start putting time into it and really treating it like it was a brand and treating it like I wanted it to be a business and not that I was trying to monetize it right away, but that I was trying to build a following of people that knew what I represented. Um, and so that was like the, the beginning process of me getting to where I am right now. And then how did uh, reset end up factoring in, into that? Yeah. So I had been doing, uh, filming workouts and stuff for probably eight, nine months. And I was working with some brands and like, I was having success with that. And then alongside of me, Sam was doing the same. And so we both were, uh, constantly like trying out and sampling new products and being like, these are fucking good. Or like this brand, like really, it's actually like really helps what I've been doing. Or like, I actually feel good when I'm using this Epsom salts and like, why aren't more of our friends caring about these? And, uh, and then we were like, well, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of people don't like being told what they should be trying or like being forced, uh, to like step into new things. So I think that they got to like organically find these brands and like come across them. So what if we create a way that is super authentic to us and like very organic that gets all of these brands in front of our friends uh, for them to like be able to try them out and like meet with the brands and like really understand what these products are doing for them. And, uh, and it would probably be pretty good for these brands to be able to meet with our groups of friends and our people that were, that we would have coming to this because they're all somewhere around the influencer world or, you know, active in social media uh, and so we started Reset, which essentially for the brands is a way for them to connect with uh, 50 to 100 top influencers and get their product in front of them, get product feedback, uh, create partnerships, shoot content all in one day. And then for the influencers, it's, it gets them to be able to try out 50 different products in one day and also gets to them to uh, recover and like feel better leaving the festival. And we launched it specifically the day after Coachella so that it would be like a day when everybody is like hoping to recover and get all of that kind of stuff that does make you feel better. That's awesome. Where did you guys host that? Like Los Angeles. So we did two of them in LA. Uh, we did it the day after Coachella. We did it again the day after Labor Day. It doubled in size the second time. And then we were planning for it to be uh, at Coachella this year in Palm Springs rather than Los Angeles. And uh, due to Corona, we had to pause it. Mm, that's too bad. That's an unreal idea though. I, yeah, I, it, was, it was great. It, it's it's, it's such awesome. a good time and like, it was just very beneficial for everybody that we still, we have a lot of brands now that are still working with people that they met at the festival. And like, it's, so it was just a very cool community type vibe. How do, how do you go about just like massaging these relationships with the brands or even like starting from that um, and, and creating like organic it's like hey like I'm JT like this is what I'm working on uh, because I know that a lot of brands like to you know keep on working with the same people they get comfortable in their own ways and you know see are seeing ROI so why would they you know trust somebody new the the number one thing that I think my own personal brand has uh, allowed me is the fact that I can message people and I don't come off douchey. I don't come off as somebody that's trying to like get something from them. Um, I think that like majority of the content that I put out is pretty much based around like 
good vibes and positivity and like, you know, being a good person rather than like salesy or trying to like push something out. And so I think like me being able to message uh, a brand and say, Hey, what's going on? I'm JT. We're starting this festival. Do you guys have any interest? It doesn't come off the same way as like somebody that might have a lot more salesy type content. Um, and so my, my relationships with the brands, basically a majority of them develop that way of me sending a message or Samantha sending a message mm-hmm. and then uh, us getting on a call and us going and meeting up with them. And then if the, the community, uh, as you guys, I'm sure know that anything in media, whatever kind of niche you're in, the community is a lot smaller than, than you think it is. So like once you meet a handful of people, it's like, oh, you know, Jameson and you know Steven and like da 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 and just everybody kind of has their groups of people that they're connected to so we just really made an effort to try to meet more people and just like host things at our house and host different like meetups and just try to like build a community of people that are good people that are doing fucking dope shit and just want to network with other good people that uh care about each other and so that was where all of the brands and also all of the guests at our festival originated from. So that's a good strategy. Just be a good person. Uh, totally. I, I want to get into a little bit with Triple D. Where, I, I, I know where kind of that started from, but like what really excited you about that idea? And also how is that name even available? Great questions. Uh, it started with the idea. Well, let me just answer the question. The name was available. I don't even know how there was about two. I don't even want to tell you the other names that I was thinking of, but they were all pretty notable. And uh, triple Deke was, was the first one that I heard was available. And I was like, let's go, let's do it. And I wanted it to just be something that it, because it is a hockey specific brand, I wanted it to be something that resonates with hockey players. And I think anybody that grew up in the nineties to now knows mighty ducks and has seen the triple deke and so i think it's something that just immediately as i go that's dope um so that's the name the idea of it came from uh, a mix of me being a, a player and knowing as i just mentioned to you before like knowing that the world was going towards content and guys showcasing more of themselves and branding themselves more and the guys around me not wanting to do that so having a little bit of chip on my shoulder with knowing knowing that and wanting to push that along with, I had been consulting with a handful of hockey pages already. So I was helping them out with their content strategy and like what they should do on their page. Like you guys should post this. Have you thought about working with this player? Have you guys thought about launching a podcast or doing merch or building out your own product, whatever. Uh, and was really enjoying that. I had, didn't have an interest in it because I was so busy with reset and with my own shit that I was like, I, I'm just gonna be able to consult on these brands and for my friends and that kind of stuff. Then when Reset got paused because of COVID, I had like an excess amount of time and was like, huh, I wonder what this, what this would actually take for me to be able to do this as my own thing. Um, and I, if I, if I feel like if I got somebody to help me with the actual day-to-day posting of it, uh, I, could, I could handle this. And so those two things, uh, just really sparked my interest. And then me just having looked around in the the hockey world, just knowing like, dude, there's nobody like an overtime or like a dunk 
uh, in the hockey world. Like they just don't, they don't do it. And uh, so knowing that and knowing that it will happen and eventually it's going to happen because just the whole world is being more and more open and sharing more about themselves. So it's not a matter of if it's more a matter of when, and me being like, I have an opportunity right now to be that guy and I know I can do it. And I know I have the skill set too. So I want to dive into it. That's awesome. And what, what's next for Triple D? We have a lot. We've done uh, now. So essentially what I did when I came in was like, let's, let's start showing more of the players rather than showing more of like their stats. Let's start showing about like who they are as people and like what they do that's dope because you know, basketball, every player has their own personal brand. Every player is like got their own shoe deal and got their own like investment portfolio and things that are their own media companies and just things that they're working on. Hockey players, a lot of them are doing things like that, but just not talking about it and just not like encouraging it. It's almost like they're doing it like hush, hush. They don't want people to know. They're just very like private with it. And so I, I know that there is hockey players that are doing dope things. It's just, they haven't been encouraged to like and talk about it more and really get more guys to, to follow suit. Uh, and so the first thing that I did was like, let's start getting, let's start a content series where we get players to show like what they do in their day. So like, let's hit up these up and coming players because that's the generation that I want to impact rather than trying to go to the guys that are already in the NHL. I want to get younger kids that are about to be because those guys are more open-minded They're They have, they frankly enjoy content way more than guys 25 and up. Uh, and so I'm like, let's work with these kids. Let's go after like 18 to 20 year old to, you know, 16 to 20 ish age and see if these guys want to send us videos from their day of like what their day looks like, just like what they wake up and what they do for their breakfast, what they do after what they do at the gym, what the, what kind of video games they're playing, what kind of like clothing they're really into music, like that kind of stuff. So we did a series called day in the life. And uh, now we've had, in the last two months, we've had 60 players that have been on that. And these are all kids that are either in the top, either going to get drafted in the first round, in the first couple rounds, or have already been drafted. They're top prospects that are either in the NHL or about to be. Uh, and so now we've had 60 of those guys do it. And uh, we're about to start doing a handful more of those series where it's not necessarily going to be day in the life. It'll be more of like your facilities at your uh, school or like your gym or like, you know, things like that, but just anything that showcases players on another level uh, on a more in-depth level uh, is something we're going to do eventually when COVID stops or when we can travel uh, more freely, it'll be more in-depth stuff where I'll go out with a videographer and we'll film something on site with a player and really get people to be able to like dive deeper YouTube style. Totally. Uh, and that's what we want to do. That, that's awesome. Uh, I want to I want to take us to the honey house uh, next. What for everybody? What what is the honey house that that for people that don't know? And on top of that, just take me through uh, Pascas Nick Dio's phone call to you uh, pitching this idea. Uh, so Nick's one of my good friends, and uh, I was quarantining at Sam's family's house, my girlfriend's family's house, and Nick was at his girlfriend's family's house. And we had both been in quarantine for about two months. And uh, we continually go back and forth because I'm always asking him what he's up to. He's always asking me what I'm up to. And he, and frankly, like I respect Nick a ton and he knows a lot and is very smart with business. And so he's a, a mentor to me along with a friend. And uh, 
we were talking for we were talking one day and uh about two months prior to that nick had posted something on tiktok where his his it was aaron trying to find him outside of a coffee shop and nick just filmed her like lost and the video got like 22 million views in a week then nick's in nick's tiktok went from zero to 100k in like six days and i remember him calling me that day when he posted it and just being like this tiktok thing is ridiculous like should we just stop doing instagram and just go really hard into tiktok and me and him were both like I don't know, man, like this thing might not be around for a while. Like, no, we don't know if anybody actually cares about this platform. Like, let's just keep doing our own thing on Instagram. And like, we'll let you have your 100K on TikTok and just like, let's just let it sit for a bit. So then fast forward to quarantine when he did, when me and him were going back and forth. Um, and he called me one day and was like, bro, and I, I had been going, I've been asking him about vlog life because I've, I started my own vlog and I love vlogging. And I was asking him like, dude, I really want to just like get more people to, to vlog with me. Like I want to start like a squad, like, like David Dobrik style where we're just filming everything. And Nick was like, it's going to happen, man. It's going to be me, you and Max Siegelman, who's another New York dude. Uh, he's like, it's going to be me, you and Max Siegelman. We're going to film everything kind of like entourage style. And I was like, whatever, Nick. And, uh, and he, and then the next day he called me, he goes, I'm serious about this. What if we all quarantine together and filmed it like an entourage style or like a reality TV show. And I was like, okay, like, let's think about this. Let's think about like what a reality TV show would entail. And then we did some legwork on that. And we were like, that would be so much drama. That's not what we want to do. But I do like the idea of us all being in a house together and filming stuff and doing it like more good vibes, more like work uh, oriented and more of like, like-minded people that would actually enjoy a month together rather than just random people so we can film it and give it to a company as a reality show and so uh we sat on that idea for about a month and then we were and then we decided let's actually try and do this so we like started reaching out to other couples and seeing if anybody would want to come in quarantine together and and film content and we decided with Nick having his viral moment on TikTok and me going really hard at TikTok at the same time, like, let's try and put everything on a TikTok. There's people that are doing these creator houses that are younger, that are doing it in a way that is not the way that we want to do it. And they're, and they're getting a ton of traction. I wonder if that audience on the platform would care or would, would have interest in what we were doing if we did it as a bunch of adults. And so the, the adult TikTok house idea was birthed from that mo from those conversations. And then over the next two months, we had to put in all of the, the due diligence to create 160 different content pieces because we didn't know exactly what we were gonna film going into the house uh, and to just try different things. And we had to find casting and we had to find a house and we had to put all of that together. And then eventually we landed on Los Angeles as our location and uh, decided to just jump into it. And then you guys have your viral moment where, you know, the, on the Honey House account where you guys, and I don't even know what the final number of views are, but you get reposted by Barstool, you get reposted by everyone on the internet. And we talked about it a little bit with Nick. But what was that like for you as the person who was holding the camera and was essentially like the star of that video? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first week in the house we were just trying a ton of different content like we were like let's try this let's try workouts let's try 
uh, challenges and we didn't get any traction at all. We had a thousand followers eight days in and we were, and we were having conversations with people at TikTok. And I remember talking to my buddy at TikTok and us just being like, yeah, you know, we're just going to keep going at this, like just keep sticking with it. And hopefully it starts to pick up. And then literally day nine, we grew from Z, from 1000 to 9,000 and then from 9,000 to 30. And then like four days later, we're at, we were at about 200. We were like, damn, this is actually like starting to, to move a little bit. And so, um, we continued doing our challenges and continued doing another series that was hopscotch that really had taken off. And, but we kind of stopped on the, the, uh, showing who the members of the house were it was more like the two challenge series and so i would always be in the comments on our tiktok looking at what people are saying and what they want to know what they want to see more of just like engaging with the community and there would be a handful of comments from people being like what does everyone do in this house like they're all adults they're not they're not none of these people are popular tiktokers themselves so like what do you guys do and so I was like, I'm going to go around and film what everybody does in the house. Like, I'm just going to go selfie style and then just like talk about each person. And uh, that was the video that we, we posted. And in 24 hours, we actually got like the most amount of comments from popular TikTokers on it saying like, this is amazing. Love this idea. We want to be part of this. We want to come collaborate. We were like, this is awesome. And then we go to sleep and the next day we wake up and me and Nick are sitting in the, the room in the house and I get a text from somebody that goes like, Oh shit, you made it. And it was big cat. Or it was, it was actually first, it was Jack Wagner and he's like a popular comedian who tweeted, this is sincerely the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and, and I know Jack Wagner's humor and he's like a dude that I have followed for a while and think he's hilarious. And so when that happened, I was like, that's great. I was like, that's incredible. <laughs> And then as me and Nick are like going through, what do we do? Do we reply to Jack? Do we send him a message? Da, 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 da. As we're like having that conversation, Nick got a text from somebody that said, big cat just tweeted about you guys from Barstool. <laughs> and then it just like, from there, it was just like, we had Barstool and then we had New York Times and just like, it just kind of snowballed. And uh, the Barstool, out of, all of the, out of all of the like publications that posted us, the Barstool one was by far the most like, hateful and like angry and uh as and we're sitting in the, the master bedroom me and nick and aaron and my girlfriend and we're just like reading people's tweets and comments and we were just kind of like sitting there like damn like people must be in a really bad place right now like they saw one single piece of content that didn't mention anything about who we were as people or anything like that and it just kind of shows what we do for work based off of the, the, the context of it being on TikTok with an audience that's, you know, 14 to 22, not 25 to 40. And so we're, when I'm filming that, that piece, I'm explaining the people's jobs the way that they want me to explain them to 14 and 16 year olds. Uh, so being like, he's a personal development, he's a mindset coach, or like, she's a meditation coach, rather than being like, she's a strategic marketing, da, 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 da. It, it, I could, we totally understood how the context could be, uh, how they could see it in a different light coming from that context. And so when we saw all those comments and stuff, we were like, damn, like these people don't know us, first of all. So let's not go too far into like actually being upset by what they're saying. But like, let's just understand that these people might be in a, in a bad place. There's 
lot going on in the world right now. And let's just take this with a grain of salt of like, this is cool that we're at the level that Barstool is tweeting about us, posting us the same way that they, they posted the Hype House and Sway House and other like popular TikTok houses. Like we've reached this level, level of notoriety. And now let's see what we can do with, with that attention to actually like push some good back into the world. That's, that's, that's awesome. What, that's what you got to do. I think my all time favorite comment though is Seth Rogen being like, damn, they left me yeah. out. They cut me out. Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, it got some, it got some real, uh, real characters commenting on it. It was great. And that was from the jump. I remember Dave and I talking about it and both be, just both just being like, this is the best thing that can happen. Like somebody like put like, yeah, like somebody can make a joke about it, but like, that's, totally. that's the best. It's like for what you guys want to do in terms of bringing positivity back. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was almost best case scenario. And you know, the, the like term, any publicity is good publicity. Like first when it happened, I was like, I don't agree with that anymore. <laughs> that, like, I don't actually don't like these, the way that these people are like calling me out and like, they don't know me and stuff. But then at the same time, I'm like, if I can side, if I can like step aside from that and be like, these people don't know us as a house or individually. And if anybody out there actually did like the due diligence of looking at who the people are in the house and what they do for work and what they've and what we're doing as a house like they would think otherwise they would know more about us and they would be more understanding of what we're doing and so then when i'm like if i think about it that way this is great like this is great publicity and you know so then we were like this is awesome like this is we're so glad that this did happen and from that we've we were able to get so much more attention from other outlets that were like we want to write this story the right way. Like we want to talk about, like, we know you guys are doing something cool in there. And like, we want to know more about like what that actually is. And, uh, and so there's been a lot of good out that came out of it. Absolutely. Well, uh, JD, we're terrible at ending these and we want to be uh, respectful of your time. We're going to get into the quick question round, uh, formerly sponsored by my mom, uh, also sponsored by David's freshman year college roommate, uh, we're we're free on sponsors right now so if somebody out there wants to wants to swoop in now now's the time sure. uh jt number one here person you'd most want to sit down to dinner with probably gary favorite city in the world scottsdale is it okay to sleep with socks on not at all yeah. favorite rom-com modern family is that eh. Eh. Uh, best spot to eat in Moscow? Farsh. Favorite hockey player ever? Yarmir Yager. Great one. In 40 years, what are people going to be nostalgic for? The iPhone. One thing people don't understand about dealing with brands is it's a lot of back and forth. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? People know better than you do about yourself. In one sentence, how do you sum up the internet? A ton of opportunity. Nick Dio's one flaw is blank. <laughs> His driving. He's a terrible driver. <laughs> good, good thing he's got, he's got the Tesla now to, uh, to, to drive himself. Uh, he's a terrible driver. He's never driven. But I'm surprised that he even has a license. <laughs> <laughs> tell any hockey player 
not on TikTok, why they should be. You can build your own, uh, you can take control of your livelihood by building your own personal brand. Love that. Uh, go to quarantine snack. Oreos. Uh, in 20, this is our last one. In 2030, you can catch JT Barnett, like. Crushing the hockey world, crushing the wellness world, married with a handful of kids and some dogs. Love it. JT, thanks so much for taking the time out, man. Where can uh, our listeners follow you if they want to keep up with your journey? So on Instagram and along with Twitter and everything else, it's JT, at JT Barnett with two T's, B-A-R-N-E-T-T. And uh, outside of that, Triple Deke on Instagram and Honey House TV on Instagram, along with on TikTok is just Honey House. There it is. JT, can't thank you enough, man. Thank you, guys.